You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Church, if you have your Bibles with you, if you could take them out. And uh, today's reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And this is what the word of the Lord says in John, chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Now, he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Well, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will, will become in him spring of water welling up to eternal life. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Thank you, Major Debbie. Good morning, everyone. I don't know if you've been following the news, but uh, this past week, it's been a pretty uh, a volatile week in our country, and uh, I've just been reminded, you know, that, that, that bloody uh, neo-Nazi white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia last week, and the following aftermath in many other parts of our country has, has really thrust racism and bigotry and prejudice to the forefront of our nation's attention. And sometimes, uh, it seems like we're in Hawaii, we seem very far away, distant from that. But it's real. It's reality. And my heart, my heart is heavy as I see what's been taking place in our beloved country, America. The violence, the anger, the hate speech, the incivility of a so-called civil nation, You see, the racial divide is still very, very deep in our country. And many hearts are filled with bitterness and anger, which often results in violence. And I hope and I pray that as followers of Jesus Christ, that your hearts too would be saddened and perhaps even even angry, a a God-honoring righteous anger that condemns racism and bigotry for what it is. It's sin. And I hope that you would pray for, for healing in our land 
and that people would turn their hearts to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this morning just to pause for a few moments, and we're going to pray. And I've asked my brother Eddie Joe to offer a word of prayer, a prayer that there would be healing in our land, a prayer, a prayer for our, the leaders of our country and of our communities, and a prayer that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we would step up to the plate and do the right thing. So let's pray together. Eddie Joe. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. God, we come to acknowledge you. We acknowledge that you are the creator of heaven and earth and all that is within. God, you sent your son to pay the penalty for our sins and to give us an eternal perspective on life. Lord, we come to you with prayers of thanksgiving. We're grateful for all that you have done for us. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and all of your blessings. Lord, we come to pray for this fallen world. Lord, we know that We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Lord, we pray for those who have no hope. We pray for those who do not know you. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our church and all of its members. We pray that we will be able to change hearts and reach those who do not know you. We're told to love the Lord your God God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And we're reminded to love your neighbor as yourself. As I end this prayer with Psalm thirty four fourteen. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. To God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eddie Joe. Well, first Corinthians fourteen, eighteen says, If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, Who will get ready for battle? The church. The church has been given responsibility to boldly trumpet God's truth so that our society has an understanding of of what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes the truth is not popular. And sometimes the truth hurts. But nonetheless, the church needs to stand up and speak out on these moral issues. And as we continue our sermon series on on making room. We need to make room in our hearts for a better sense of understanding, for tolerance, for reconciliation. We need to make room in our hearts for, for God's justice, for his holy justice. And seeing what happened in Charlottesville and what's going on in our nation, 
Today's topic is not an easy one to speak about. And I've struggled with this sermon and preparing this, but I believe this is what the Lord has placed on my heart this morning. Now I have to say right now that my intention is not to offend anyone, but if I do for whatever reason, please accept my apologies in advance. But I want to speak the truth, God's truth, from his word. But I believe that what we're going to address this morning impacts each and every one of us. And that topic is, and I even cringe when I even have to say the word, the word is racism. Racism. It's not a very comfortable word to to hear or to even speak about. But racism, the idea that one race is somehow superior to another simply because they are of a different color or they speak a different language or they were raised in a different cultural setting. And I'm sure many of you, if not most of you, can think of some of your own stories or experiences of racism, perhaps that you've experienced in your life. And I'm sure that there are many. I can tell you my first encounter with true racism came when I, when I was a freshman in high school. It was in the early 1970s. That tells you how old I am. My family and I had just moved to, to Phoenix, Arizona, a huge city from a tiny little fishing village in Alaska. And in a school of 2,000 students, there were only three Asian kids. It was Alan Yee, Maylon Tang, and Phil Lum. It's interesting, I still remember those names from many, many years ago. And my brother as well, he was two years older than I am. But there were four of us in that school of more than 2,000 kids. And boy, were we outnumbered. Remember, it was the early 70s. And I still remember some of the names that they would call us. And they were, they were ignorant. They didn't even really know what our nationality was. And they were calling us other names. But I started playing sports. I started playing football and basketball. And I, and I discovered for myself that sports was a great equalizer for me, at least for me, in high school. You see, the problem of racism is as old as the history of man. In Exodus, in the Old Testament, chapter 1, the Egyptians feared that the Israelites were growing too numerous and would take over, so they, they turned them into slaves. And 400 years later, after the Israelites were freed from their bondage, remember, Moses freed them. They, the Israelites themselves, they felt superior to all other nations because they were God's chosen people. In Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, Moses, the leader of the Israelite people, Moses married an Ethiopian woman. Her name was Zipporah. And she was more than likely black because she was from Ethiopia. And Miriam and Aaron, Moses' sister and brother, were upset at that and opposed that. So you see, in the Old Testament, racism was alive and well. And even when we come into the New Testament, we see that racism still existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. But it was primarily strong between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And our text today that Major Debbie read earlier said that the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. They were enemies. They hated each other. 
John chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Now he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Samaria. Now most Jews would have avoided Samaria at any cost, but Jesus had to go there. You see, the Samaritans, the Samaritans were a mixed race. They were part Jew and part Gentile. And they were referred to as, you ever heard that term, half-breeds? It's not a very nice term to be called, a half-breed. You use that word when you talk about dogs. But the Samaritans were called half-breeds. And so there was an intense hatred between the, between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, in John 8, 48, you can see the verse up here, when his enemies, enemies wanted to call Jesus an insulting name, they called him a Samaritan. It's like calling him a dog. And so the Jews, the Jews felt superior and looked down upon the Samaritans. So in return, the Samaritans reciprocated those feelings of racism with the Jews so that the hatred was, was mutual. It was a mutual hatred. Now, doesn't that sound arrogant? Doesn't that sound ignorant? But doesn't it also sound familiar today? It was in the year 2003, about 14 years ago. In an interview with Diane Sawyer on ABC television, Billy Graham, Billy Graham was interviewed, and he was asked by Diane Sawyer, he, she said, if you could wave your hand and make one problem in this world go away, what would it be? And without hesitation, without pausing for a breath, Billy Graham said, racial division and strife. If I could just get rid of one thing in this world, it would be racial division and strife. Now, if you were to be asked that same question today, 2017, it's sad to say that his answer would probably be the same. Racial strife, racial division is still alive and well in our country and in our communities here in 2017. You see, racism and bigotry is a problem that exists all over the world. But here in the United States, it's, it's, it's come to the forefront again recently. And even though great strides have been made in civil rights legislation, racism, or even just the perception of racism, is still one of the nation's deepest problems. And you know what? We are, we are very, very blessed to live in a place like Hawaii, where I believe there's a greater sense of, of tolerance and acceptance of, of different races and cultures. And we're very blessed to live in a place like that. But there are still pockets, but there are still pockets of prejudice and intolerance in our beautiful island state. And I'm sure some of you have experienced it at one time or another. And so this morning, I just want to look at a few things. I want to look at some underlying causes of racism. And I won't go very deep. And I also want to look at what some of our responses can be towards that. And it's really just to kind of stimulate our thinking. And hopefully, as our series says, that we can make room for God to come in and maybe change the way we think or change our perspective. Or as we make room for God, maybe we need to move some things out of our heart or out of our life. That's not allowing God to fully envelop who we are. So what are some of the underlying causes of racism? I know there are many, 
but I'm going to just take a look at a few. The first cause, this one here, is a big one. It's parental influence. It's parental influence. You see, racism is a learned behavior above all else. A baby isn't born saying, well, let's go shave our head and burn a cross. No. Someone has to teach them. And it doesn't have to be that extreme either. You see, kids are innocent and, and loving, but they can be shaped by their parents. Shaped for good, but they can also be shaped and, and turned into fearful, prejudiced adults. I remember my son, this was quite disturbing. I remember my son, Micaiah, telling me this, this story. This summer, he was home from school, and he was working here, and he was playing basketball right in our own gymnasium, our own croc gym. And he's playing against other young teenagers. And this one particular young teenager, he was guarding him. And he said, this other teenager kept calling Micaiah, my son, the N-word. The N-word. Every time they ran on the court, he just jabbed him and called him that N-word. Now my son was kind of shocked that anyone would call him that name. But he took it all in stride. But that young teenager picked the name up from someone. From someone. And so parents, what are you teaching your kids? That Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, or only those who look like we do? And sadly, many kids are being programmed from home to think like that. And some of you were raised that way, and you might say, well, that's the way I was raised, and I can't help it. Well, you may have been programmed that way, but as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, reprogram your thinking. Take a look at this world, not through your own eyes or the, the, way you, the, or the eyes of the way you were brought up or raised, but take a look at this world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And what do you see? You see in John 4, we see that the disciples, they were raised to hate the Samaritans. They saw a less than worthy woman at the well. But Jesus saw a person who mattered to God. Can you say amen to that? So reprogram your mind to think like Christ. To see people like he sees them. You see, all people, all people matter to God. Another cause, another cause of racism is fear. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of a man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You see, we tend to fear that which we don't understand or that which is, which is different than us. And you'll hear people say this about certain groups of people. They make these broad generalizations. They're taking over. They're taking all of our jobs. Or they're trying to hold us down. They're trying to take away our rights. And we get so caught up in the fear that we never look beyond the skin color to see the real person. And when we do this, we fall victim to stereotyping a person. And even before we know them, 
We judge them. We judge them. We have certain stereotypes. He's black, so he must be lazy, or he must be on drugs, or maybe he must be on welfare, or he's white. He must be a racist bigot who wants to do away with everyone else, and he can't jump, or he can't dance. Remember that movie, White Men Can't Jump? But that's prejudice. That's prejudice. You've prejudged the person before you even know them. Now, they can say this about Chinese people. I'm Chinese. He's Chinese. He's pake, meaning he's cheap. Well, in my case, you're absolutely right. (laughs) But I tell you, we have to avoid prejudice. Sometimes it just creeps up on us. Just creeps up on us. Avoid prejudice. Don't prejudge a person before you even get to know them. So another cause, which is actually, I believe, the main cause of racism, is that it's in our sinful nature. We are human beings. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it's in our sinful nature. James 4.1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You see, it's, it's in our sinful nature to want to say that we are better than someone else. To feel superior to other people. To find one way to look down on someone else. And at the same time, build ourselves up. Galatians 6.3 says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Bottom line is this. Racism is sinful. It's sinful. It's against God's will. It's against God's purpose. So we've seen a few of the underlying causes of racism. So what should our response be? What should our response be to to racism? Well, number one... First, I believe, we must confess our sin. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, we must confess our sin. Turn to another neighbor and say, we must confess our sin. You know, it's interesting. We don't often think of ourselves as being racist, do we? But the truth is that in one form or another, we all are. Yet that's still no excuse. There's a preacher in Chicago, Raleigh Washington, is a black preacher in Chicago who preaches at a racially mixed church. And he said that racism is not a matter of skin, but it's a matter of sin. He said it's not a matter of skin, but it's a matter of sin. And when he said that, he was actually addressing the black community. You see, racism exists on all sides. And that's why it's so important for all parties to come to the table, to confess their sins. And that's what we all need to do, to come before God, confess our sins, and he will forgive us of all our unrighteousness. What else do we need to do in response? Number two, we need to recognize that reconciliation is God's will. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Reconciliate, recognize that reconciliation is God's will. 
It's a tongue twister. Say it again. Recognize that reconciliation is God's will. Very good. Very good. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Why did he have to go through Samaria? The most hated enemies of the Jew? Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Why? Because the Samaritans mattered to God. You see, Jesus not only came to reconcile man to God, but also to reconcile us to one another. Jesus said that the world will know that we are his disciples, what? If we love one another. Now, do you think he meant only those of the same color or ethnic group? I don't think so. Look at these verses. Acts 10. The apostle Peter sees that the Gentiles were to be included in the church. And it says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God's God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. The next verse, Galatians chapter 3, 28. This is a hallmark verse for lots of things. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. Now there are many more scriptures, but the point is that we, that we are one body, that we are one church. And Sunday morning should be the most diverse hour of the week. And a good test of that is just to look around the room. Look around and see the diversity in our midst. And we're very blessed that we do have a very diverse church. And we give God the honor and the glory for that. You know, heaven isn't going to be segregated. We are told that people from all tribes and nations will be there. They shall come from the east and they shall come from the west and sit down in the kingdom of God. And we often pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's get started, or let's continue to live in harmony and unity, to have a better understanding, a better tolerance, a better acceptance of each other, particularly those who are very, very different from us. And think about the the world, think about the secular world, who is so eagerly trying to achieve racial unity. Think how they would react when they see Christians coming together of all nations and tribes, of all colors and races. And what a testimony to the love of Christ and the fellowship of his disciples. We need to recognize that reconciliation is God's will. Reconciliation of all peoples is God's will. And the third thing, the third response, and there's many more, but this is what I leave with you this morning. We just need to build positive relationships. Remember, it's all about relationships. It's easy to generalize about a person or a group of people, but when you get to know someone individually, 
and you have a personal relationship with them, things change. Things change. You know, Jesus, when he met that Samaritan woman at the well, he didn't just kind of brush her off and said, hey, how's it going? And ignored her. No, he struck up a conversation. He got to know her. He spent time with her. In fact, the scripture says he spent two days there. He took the time to build the relationship. So what can we do? We need to get to know each other. We need to spend time with each other, to seek to understand each other better, to forgive each other, to forgive our past failures and injustices and be reconciled to each other and to God. We're going to close this morning, and I have a video that I'd like to show you. And as we watch that video and listen to the song, perhaps we need to ask ourselves these questions. How do I view people who are different from me? Can I see them the way God sees them? With love and acceptance? What can I do this week to step up, to confront whatever racial strife and division is in your particular world? And perhaps you can think of one person this week that you can reach out to. Someone who's on the fringes. Someone who no one knows or wants to understand. Perhaps God may lay someone on your heart this week. But watch the video and allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. and They're going to sing a song, and as they do, I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and think about what has been said this morning. Think about your own views, your own attitudes, your own actions. God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Our country is divided. But we as Christians and we as believers and we as the church, we can make a difference. One life at a time. So look at your own sphere of influence, wherever that may be. What is God asking you to do this morning? Maybe he says, place something on your heart. We need to make room in our heart for God and his will, and his purpose to happen. Maybe there are some things that we need to remove. Maybe not physical things, but mindsets. Perspectives needs to be changed or shifted. We want to see this world, and we want to see people, all people, with the eyes of Jesus Christ. Not with our own eyes, not with our own hearts, which can be jaded, but with the eyes of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as our worship team sings, you pray and you meditate and reflect. The place of prayer is always open, it's always available. Our Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be the salt in this uh, broken and decaying world. I pray, Father, that we would be the light in this very dark world. Father, empower us.
and fill us with your Holy Spirit and with a love, a love that never ends. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of hope. You are the God of mercy, the God of grace, and the God of compassion. And we thank you, and we praise you. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you.